would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. This passage of scripture has, the Lord's been, he revealed it to me, he showed it to me. You know how you read the word and stuff that's been there since the Bible was written. And you've read it so many times and then it hits you one day like you've never, ever seen it before. I believe that in this day that we're living in, that the knowledge of the glory of God, it is increasing like it never has. Things that you've read over and over and over, God's opening your eyes to see it and to reveal his truth about it and get it. It's just so simple when he does it. And this is what he's doing. So Matthew 13, I read the scripture back in 17. It's been chewing on it and wrestling with it ever since. It says, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like something precious buried in a field which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a dealer in search of fine and precious pearls, who on finding a single pearl of great price went and sold all he had and bought it. And there's two ways you can look at this passage of scripture. Number one, you can look at it as Jesus as the man who's in in search of a pearl of great price who goes and sells all come on this is this is the gospel this is Jesus who left everything who left the presence of our father came to earth it is he who knew no sin who became sin that we might become the righteousness of God this is Jesus that who was rich became poor that through his poverty we might become rich this is Jesus who sold it all to buy the pearl of great price and I am moved by that And then the second way you can look at it as to us, to the church, Jesus is the pearl of great price. The proper response from either perspective is to joyfully, say this, joyfully, sell it all and buy the field. Joyfully, sell it all and buy the field. Come on, the kingdom of God, it is righteousness, peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. It is to joyfully sell it all. She just read it. Who, uh, well, maybe she just read it. I don't know. But um, if you sow out of necessity and begrudgingly, right, that's to withhold back. But God wants somebody who will give not sparingly, who will give bountifully. It's, a, it's the same exact idea here that we are to joyfully sell it all. And here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about earning salvation. Salvation, it is a gift, I'm talking about how we live our lives. I have never, I have never bought a piece of land in my life. I've bought and sold houses. And so just to help us all out on a practical level, let me give you this illustration. <clears throat> when you buy a house, when you, when you sell a house, there's choices and there are adjustments that have to be made. Like if you really want this house, sometimes you got to move some finances around. Sometimes you have to eat a little less, go out to eat a little less. You have to make, make choices, make adjustments to, to buy the house. And then you, you get the house and then you, you start making choices like, I'm going to bring this sofa. I'm not going to bring the sofa. I'm going to sell this. You start having the same conversations because you're excited about the house. You keep talking about the color of the curtains you're going to put in the, in the living room over and over. You have the same conversation. You keep calling your realtor to say, hey, have you heard anything? Have you heard? You keep checking Zillow to see if the status is now contingent. If it's off the mark, no, am I the okay? Come on, y'all, y'all own houses, right? You, you you do these things. 
You know, like you own your way to work and you take a detour, like you will be late to work just to take a detour and drive in that neighborhood just to drive past your house. Coming home from work, you'd be late picking up your own kids from school just so you can drive by the house and say, thank you, Lord. Am I right or am I wrong? So this is what I'm talking about. Because you're excited about it, because you have joy about it, you begin to just do things that are consistent with your joy, consistent with your excitement because you're buying a house or based on the scripture, we're we're buying a field. And, And so buying or selling a house, it is a process. But spiritually, it is also a process to buying the field. There's a spiritual transaction that has to happen. Matthew 16, 24 is the repetitious transaction. It is the process of dying. Lord gives me this verse in September and I'm just, Lord, what do you want? Like, am I about to give away a car? Am I about to move? Move me to Hawaii, Lord. Where are we going, Lord? What are we doing? What are you, what are you saying to me? And I, I'm talking September, October. I feel like probably just towards the end of November, he finally said, die. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Die. So let's get to it. Let's read that. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is Amplified Classic. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, and dying also. I have a question for you. When's the last time you lost sight of yourself? When's the last time you put somebody else before yourself? I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your wife. You're supposed to do that. When's the last time you let somebody go in front of you in the line at the grocery store? When's the last time you, you gave out of your poverty to somebody who was really in need, like the widow of two mites? When's the last time you slowed down long enough when you were at Walmart, Target, Ross, wherever you go, to go and actually be obedient to talk to somebody that the Lord told you to go talk to? Or are we in a rush? When's the last time you forgot about your interest? This is what you're called. This is entry level Christianity, Christianity 101, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Philippians chapter two, verse five through eight. Here's what Paul writes. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. When's the last time you reduced yourself to no reputation? When? A week, a month? A decade? When's the last time you made yourself? Nobody is going. Situations come, circumstances come, and yes, they will humble you. But when is the last time you took the initiative as a son of God, as a daughter of God, to make yourself of no reputation? When's the last time you were right and the person you were in a conflict with knew you were right, but you didn't say nothing and you just let them think that they were right, even though they're wrong and they know they're wrong. You just said you're right. When's the last time you made yourself of no reputation? This is what Jesus says. And he took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Humbled himself. We keep hearing this this scripture a lot these days. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. The problem, listen, is not the world. When are we going to stop being 
in shock and awe that the world is doing what the world does. We're like, can you believe it? That sinner slapped that other sinner. No. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's what sinners do It's what life looks like when people don't have God, when they don't know God, when they don't walk with God. Pastor Mitch says it all the time that God will hold his church accountable for what happens. When is the last time we made ourselves of no reputation, took on the form of a servant to wash somebody else's feet? Oh, we covet our Friday nights. We covet our Saturday mornings. When was the last time we got uncomfortable? He's going to hold us accountable. And I feel the weight of it. I feel the weight of it. Do you? Do you? Is this just another Sunday? Are you coming in here just to check the boxes off? Because this is what believers do. You know, birds fly. I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. Check. And then I'm going to go out of here and I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it, and where I want to do it. No. It's not what we're called to. And then he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Again, Paul says, this is the same mind that you and I have to have. Many come to the cross for salvation. Few people get on it. Few actually conform wholly to his example of living and if need be in dying. So, again, here's the process. Y'all okay with me? Deny yourself. To deny oneself, it means to decline the gratification of appetites or desires, to refrain from or to abstain, to deny yourself. So when you're, when you're uh, uh, choosing yourself, when I choose myself, here's what I'm actually doing. I'm denying the Lord. Yes to me is a no to him. I'll say that again. Yes to me is a no to him. So practically, here's what the, yes to a relationship that takes me away from the Lord, any type of relationship that takes me away from the Lord, it is denying him. If you're hurting, if you're grieving, if you are dealing with loss and you are not not allowing the comforter to come in and actually comfort you, that's denying him. If you are choosing what you want over what his will is for your life, no matter the road that it leads you down, that is denying him. If you have sickness in your body and you have yet to bring your affliction to the Lord, and you're denying the healer the opportunity to be the healer in your life. That is denying him. Disobedience to the word of God, flat out, it is denying him. And I feel like I need to straighten that up a little bit. Yes, we are blessed to live in the nation we live in. You and I did not have the choice, mostly, by which nation we were born. We had the freedom or the privileges, some of us, to move about and to make it here. And we praise God for that. We praise God for the men and women who have gone on before us, who've paid a price for us to live in the nation we live in. Here's What I'm not saying is go sell it all and go live on the street. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, are you open to denying yourself? If I say, hey, you should delete social media off your phone, and you go, ah, well, I just got it. Mm, that's the exact reason why you need to delete it. Does that mean years ago I woke up one morning and I heard myself say, I thought it was an okay thing. I said, man, I need some coffee. And I caught myself. I said, just because you said that, brother, 
go home and take a fast. I had a headache for like a week. <laughs> but the things we think we can live, just little things like, hey, you know, like, hey, why don't you stop listening to secular music? I don't, I don't care who, what decade it was written in. I, I don't care. Why don't you stop listening to secular music? Ah, it's not wrong. Ah, nah. You know, I like what I like. This exact reason why you need to. Because you can't let go of the little things. And if you can't deny yourself in the little things, when the bottom falls out of this thing in the days ahead, how are you going to choose the Lord over yourself then? Any area of my any area, any any area of my life that I haven't allowed Jesus into, it is denying him. Second Peter chapter two, verse 12 says this. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny and disown and reject him, he will also deny and disown and reject. How many things, how many areas of our lives are we um, clueless about that we are denying the Lord access to and we'll stand before him one day? In the presence of all the angels and his father. And he goes, I don't know them. They didn't let me into their heart when they were hurting. When they were in the need, they didn't let me provide. They didn't even look my way to let me be the provider. I am the God of more than enough. And they've looked elsewhere. I won't go into great detail. If, if, if you've been here. Um, any number of, if you were here, I don't know, maybe even last two times, I feel like I say it every time I preach. I tell a little bit of my wife and I story. I know we got some new people in the family. Glad you're here. So we love you. So glad you're here. 2013, my wife and I had a miscarriage. Later that year, we conceived again, or later on, we conceived again. Later that year, that baby that we conceived, we lost the baby um, at 40 weeks. Um, and so we had to make a choice. Do I allow the comforter in, in the pain, in the anger? I mean, being mad at God, I'm straight up mad at God, shaking my fist at the heavens. Did I allow him into my heart and allow him into that hurt? Was I honest and open and vulnerable or did I completely reject him? See, if you let God into those places in your heart, I'm not even talking about selling everything and moving to Mexico. I'm talking about if you allow God entry into the wounded areas of your life, not only will he meet you there, but he will be with you and bring you out on the other side of it. And you've developed this highway of trust and faith in God so that when something even more dire comes, like needing children or needing food to feed your children or needing money to pay your bills. Oh, you're like, oh, you know, I, I know the Lord. And he's walked with me before. He'll walk with, with us again. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's these little areas of our lives that we become so strong in. And what they do is they spill over into other areas of our life. And we don't realize, but we become uh, uh, strong in our flesh. We become strong in taking care of ourselves. And so um, then we, we become crisis Christians. We only look to the Lord when something goes wrong. You got people like that who only show up when they need something? I mean, you might deny yourself and still help meet the need, but, if, but I know what you're thinking in your head. This joker don't come around until he wants something. The joker. Or the jabroni, as my wife says. This jabroni. And because we become strong in these other areas of our lives, here's what happens. It spills over to every other area, and then we don't know it, but we've, we've landed in mixture 
complacency, apathy, compromise, spiritual boredom. We don't even know it, but we take on this Laodicean spirit. We're lukewarm. Jesus has a stomachache. He's nauseous and he vomits us out of his mouth because he says, I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. You were neither. But we don't even realize it. And so here's here's his issue he had with the Laodicean church. It's not that they were miserable. It's not that they were wretched. It's not that they were naked. It's not that they were blind. It's that they did not know it. And this is where the Western church is. We don't know it. We're walking around and we look silly. And we don't know it. And that's, it's not that we look silly. It's that we don't know we look silly. And we refuse to come to God and own it and say, help us. Does this make sense what I'm saying? And so because we were lukewarm, because we're in mixture and compromise and complacency, we come into the house of God half-heartedly. Can't lift our hands. We can't pray. We like, I wish Pastor Mitch would hurry up. And, and don't realize that God gives us pastors according to his own heart to feed us with knowledge and understanding. We don't realize that when we come in this place for worship, that this is our opportunity to express our gratitude to God. Instead of an opportunity to fight our flesh, whether we lift our hands or not, instead of an opportunity to be distracted by all the wonderful trees on the stage and to look at so-and-so dancing before the Lord. No, it's an opportunity to come and give God the glory. And it's because we haven't allowed God into those other areas of our lives that we don't know him. Listen to this. Listen to how David speaks about God. I love the way David speaks about God. He has so much fervor, so much passion, so much zeal. And he says stuff like this. Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6. He says, my soul, wait only upon God and silently submit to him. For my hope and expectation are from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be moved. This is the stuff that he says. And so when he says words like he is my hope and expectation, that word expectation, the Hebrew word there is cord, which means attachment or the thing that you're tied to. We have no expectation of God because we have severed the cords. Psalm 40, he says, verse eight, I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great assembly, tidings of uprightness and right standing with God. When's the last time you came in here and said, God is good. When's the last time you came in here and proclaimed the glad tidings of God? Or do you come in here and let somebody else do it? He's been good to you. Let me tell you how good God is, man. I have felt, I feel, I still feel the weight of even what I'm, of what I'm sharing t- this morning. And I was in my office this morning and I just, you know, like, I'm a big, strong, tough guy. And I said, Lord, I, I wouldn't ask my wife to be here, but I would really love for her to be here at this 9 a.m. service. And I was over there praying and I just felt something walk past me and I looked over and I saw her and I just, God, see, this is, this is the goodness of God. This is the kindness of God. I don't want to just trust him for the big things. I want to trust him for the little things. I didn't. Even, that was a half. <laughs> that was a half hearted prayer to God. I just said, Lord, it'd be so cool. Like 
if my wife would be here. And so here's what I know. If your heart is postured towards God, I'm not building myself up, but if your heart is postured towards God, even the small things that you utter out of your mouth, he hears. He hears and he will answer. I'm going to keep going. He said, behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know. Oh, Lord, I have not concealed your righteousness within my heart. I have proclaimed your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not hid away your steadfast love and your truth from the great assembly. Are you hiding his steadfast love from your friends, from your family, from your co-workers? Are you in here amongst other believers and still hiding his steadfast love? Verse or chapter 42, he says, as the heart pants and longs for the water brooks, so I pant and I long for you. Oh, God, my inner self thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? Have you ever prayed that? Lord, when can I see you? When will you show up? When can I just get a glimpse of your eye? When? Psalm 63, he says, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and it is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness. It is better than life. My lips shall praise you. So will I bless you while I live. I will lift up your hands. I will lift up my hands in your name. My whole being shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. Your right hand up holds me can you talk about God this way if you let him in if you stop denying him the chance to be God you will be able to talk to him and about him like this I want to know him like this I want to walk into my closet and say Lord should I wear this shirt or that shirt I want to say, Lord, what should I eat for dinner tonight? I want to say, Lord, what can I do when I walk into this grocery store to reflect your goodness and your glory and your kindness? I want that habit in my life. I want to look like him. What about you? What about you? One day, there's going to be a wedding. And you're going to be married to him. He's already, you've already accepted him here. He's already put a ring on your finger. But one day there's going to be a real wedding and he's going to really give you his last name. I'm not waiting to that day to act like I belong to him. I'm not waiting to that day to act like he is the lover of my soul. I'm not waiting to that day to, to act like and know that he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. I am not waiting on that day to fall in love. Psalm 119, verse 57, he says, you are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to keep your words. You are my portion. You are my portion. You are. You are my portion. You are 
my means of satisfaction. You are my all in all. We like to sing the songs, but do we believe it? You are it for me. There is no one else. There is nothing else. There is nothing in this world. There is no one in this world. There is no situation come hell or high water. It's you and me, God. Is that your confession? Eric Gilmore says, satisfaction with God causes satisfaction with other things to decrease. God, if you want TikTok and Instagram and social media, if you want my car, if you want my house, I'm yours. You are my portion. And if you cannot get to that place in your heart, there's more. There's territory to cover. There's a field to be bought. See, the child of God will obey willingly and joyfully, and the person in love will gladly deny themselves. They will gladly pick up their cross, and they will gladly follow them, follow him, follow Jesus. I'll read this one more verse before I move to my next point. Philippians 3, verse 8, he says, Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all to be mere rubbish in order that I might win Christ. everything. I've lost it all. I have no friends. I have him. I have no money in the bank. I have him. I have no food in my pantry. I have him. He alone. He alone is my portion. He alone is the pearl of great price. Jesus is the goal. And if you cannot deny yourself, you will never, ever pick up your cross. Nobody wants to pick up their cross. The cross. Listen, no child, no child of God is exempt. Listen to my words carefully from the privilege of dying. And this is the example set by our elder brother, Jesus, and that he died. He gave himself. In John chapter 10, he says, the father knows me and loves me. I know the father and I love him. The way the father loves me and knows me is the way I love and know you. And this is why the father loves me that I give up my life. What a God. Matthew 16, verse 21. Check this out. Jesus has just asked everybody, who do people say that I am? They say, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah. And Peter says, but you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which are in heaven. And from that point on, he began to disclose to them how he must go and die and suffer for all mankind. He does that in verse 21. From that time forth, Jesus began clearly to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the high priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised from the dead. Then Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and begin to reprove and charge him sharply, saying, God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned away from Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You are in my way. You're an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me, for you are minding what partakes not of the nature and quality of God, but of men. Listen, I get it. If somebody I love said, 
hey, I'm going to go out to die. I'm going to say, wait, 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 let's talk about this. Like, you don't, you don't have to do all that. And, and so Jesus says, <laughs> get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. See, death and suffering and affliction, it makes us uncomfortable. Anybody signing up? That's why when, <laughs> it's been a while since the blood mobile came around here, but when we say, hey, we're going to get blood, everybody was like, nah, I'm round pool with them needles. <laughs> Too much affliction. I don't care if the life is in the blood. That's what, I don't care what the Bible say. I'm not giving blood. Mm-mm. But we try to avoid hard places, if at all possible. Am I right? But we have to learn to embrace the hard places. There's glory to be had when we endure the hard places. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It's not always the devil. It could be that God just wants to mature you and to prepare you for your next level. Just think about Jesus in Luke chapter 11. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Straightway from there, the spirit of God leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for four days. He hungry and the devil get on his nerves. And you like, that ain't God. It is. It was. And it says that Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. You see, do you see what I'm saying? And so picking up your cross means that I choose God's way over my own way, regardless of how it looks and how it feels. I'll say that again. Picking up your cross, it means I choose God's way over mine, regardless of what it looks like and what it feels. And if it's God's uh, will for you to be in this place, there'll be grace for it. You'll know it. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to come to earth, sweating drops of blood. He put his own will aside to accomplish the Father's will. He couldn't bear to be without the Father's presence, carrying the literal weight of our sins on his back. He was forsaken by the Father. So we see here that picking up the cross means laying aside your will for the Father's will, neglecting your desires. He says, Father, is there any way that this cup could pass for me? Neglecting your, nevertheless, not my will, your will. John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says this, I assure you, Most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone or just one grain. It never becomes more, but it lives by itself alone. But if it dies, say this, if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Second Corinthians 417 says, for our light affliction is but for a moment. It is working for us, for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The Amplified says, Our light momentary affliction, the slight distress of the passing hour is evermore and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. You see, if you run from the God ordained hard places then you will deprive yourself of the glory that he wants to develop in you. Think about it. And oftentimes, it's not even for you. It's for someone and someone beyond you. Think about Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys. They said, hey, everybody's going to bow down, and you're going to worship this thing. And they said, listen, we're real careful to answer you in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us. He will deliver us, but if he don't deliver us, we're not going to bow down. They say, bound them, get the strongest men you have. Bound them, turn the furnace up, throw them in it. The furnace was so hot that the strong men died. 
And we always say, oh, but there was another one in the fire. That's not, that's not the part. That's not the part. Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, we're going to worship their God. See, it's not all about you and in your affliction. There's something and someone. There's a legacy. There's a generation that is beyond you. But if we are willing to endure the hard place, God can go after Unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces. Do you see what I'm saying? It could be that we're experiencing the barrenness that we're experiencing in our nation because nobody wants to die. Dreams, visions, ambitions, hopes. I'm going to take over the world when I graduate high school. Yep, but he, he wants you to die first. Nobody wants to lay down their lives. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Wherever you lead me, I will go. I will follow you, Lord. Okay, follow me to this cross. I'm going to go the other way. We have to learn to die. Oh, I'm going to help you die today. Genesis 32, we see Jacob, he's wrestling with God. He's wrestling with an angel. He's in the middle of this entire family crisis, and he prevails against God. He contends with God, and he prevails. And and, and the Lord says, listen, you have prevailed with God, and you have prevailed with man. And what could have been a disastrous family reunion wasn't. And from there, we get the 12 tribes of Israel, and we get all of us. You see what I'm saying? We see the Acts of the Apostles. They were They were martyred. They were crucified. They were persecuted. And the church grew because they were willing to lay down their lives. Do you understand what I'm trying to do? You understand what I'm trying to get? People in your family need to be saved. And if we would just lay down our lives, people you work with need to be saved. But if we would just lay down our lives, if we would deny ourselves, if we don't always have to be right, we don't always have to be the holy one walking around. We can just deny ourselves, become a doormat, so to speak, and just say, Lord, have your way. You don't have to have the last word all the time. None of the time. You Stop it. We have to learn to deny ourselves. Glory only comes on the other side of adversity. But the good news is, just like Jesus was in the fire with the three Hebrew boys, the good news is that he will be in it with you. Psalm 23, verse 4, you know it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And this is how we need to live our life. We need to live our life with the awareness that we have God dwelling on the inside of us. He's closer to us than anyone and anything else. And if we choose to live our lives like that, we won't be afraid with anything. Lyndon Ravenhill says, a man who is intimate with God has no need to be intimidated by man. I am blown away by some of the stories of people who have come before us who've given their lives. Peter was in Jerusalem. The church says, Peter, uh, Nero's about to get you. And they persuaded him to, to flee. And Peter said, that's a good idea. And on his way out, it says that he has a vision. He sees Jesus walk right past him. And he goes, Lord, whither thou goest, says King James, you know, where are you going? And he says, I've come again to be crucified. I've come again to be crucified. And Peter says, I won't deny him again. Understanding that it was his time to be crucified, They crucified Peter upside down. You know the story. Lord, where are you going? I want to be where you are. 
It could be on the, the high place in the mountain. It could be in the valley. But wherever you are is where I want to be. Or how about, how about the Apostle Paul? We see this account in Acts 20. It says in verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the thing that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then Peter, Paul, he keeps going. And now he's in Philip, the evangelist's house and some prophet named Agabus is there. And Agabus grabs Paul's belt off of him. And he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. That's what we do. You don't have to go. There's another way. Let somebody else go. Let somebody else go and take your place, Paul. We need you to keep writing. We need you to keep playing church. We need you. We need you. We need you. And then Paul speaks up and he says, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you ready to die? You have to deny yourself first, though. Or what about in the 1700s? There were these um, two young uh, uh, missionaries from this people group called the Moravians, and they sold themselves into slavery. There was an, an island that had slaves, and the, the the slave owner on the island he would not let not one man of God come on there and preach the gospel. So these boys they bought coffins. They sold themselves into slavery and never to be seen again by their family, never to be seen again by their friends. And as the boat pushed off, they linked arms, these young men in their 20s, 20s, 20s. They're not saying, hey, when I get 60, I'll get saved and I'll live my life. Young people in their 20s. They sold themselves into slavery. And as the boat pushed offshore, somebody shouted, one of the two, may the lamb slain receive the reward of his suffering. Leonard Ravenhill says this, are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? How are you living your life? How are we, how are we living our lives? Your physical life, I'm, I'm going to wrap up real quick. Your physical life, it may not be required. It, it might, but it might not be. But are you willing to go in all the way for the Lord? Do you see Jesus and the kingdom of God as precious, valuable, do you see the kingdom of God precious enough to die to yourself, to deny yourself, to not be above, but to be below so that somebody else can be seen? Are you willing to do those things? It starts small. If you don't do it with the small things, I promise you, you will not do it in the bigger things. You are called the spheres of influence where you are. God has placed you there. Listen, you're called to that marriage. Keep serving your husband. Keep loving your wife. Those children, they rack your brain sometimes, but they're yours. They are yours. 
Stay with it. Deny yourself. Keep loving them. Don't give up on them. Don't abandon them. Be a reflection of who the, the love of God is in Jesus Christ to them. So I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. What about your job? Every person in that place of employment needs to be saved. And you're there. You're there. I'm not there. Pastor Mitch isn't there. You are. What are you doing with it? Are you squandering the opportunities and the moments we have to declare who Jesus is with our life, with how we act? When you get these opportunities to to share the love of God, are you doing it? When you get these opportunities with your mouth to even say, hey, Jesus loves you and he died on a cross for you. Are you even taking those opportunities or are you shrinking back in fear? Listen, the same way the Lord answered my half-hearted prayer this morning to have my wife here. If your heart is postured to him, he will help you. He will be with you. But you have to take a stand. Just because your family gets together and they like to bring their wine and their liquor and their beer, and you say, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to win them over and I'm going to have a little, no, be different. Be different. I've been in places and they don't even look my way. I be, they don't even ask me if I want some wine. No, the answer would be no, but they already know. They already know. Don't come over here talking stupid because you already know. I carry the word of God. But do they feel the same way when they see you? Or do they feel like they can come and gossip with you? Do they feel like they can come and entice you to sin? Do they feel like they can come and resurrect your old man and you let him resurrect? Because if they feel like it, then something in your life has shown them that you aren't dead. You're still alive to sin. Paul says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Kill it. You are in Christ. You are a new creature. You don't have to struggle with sin anymore. Christ has died. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Walk in that freedom. Rest in who God is. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of the king. And he is with you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is within the world. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to deny yourself, to pick up. your. You have God's divine enabling power on the inside of you to die to yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him. If you would stand to your feet and close your eyes. I'm asked that every heavy bow, I'm asked that every eye be closed. If you I remember this, Lord, help me. If what the Lord spoke today resonates with you, if you are alive to sin, meaning you aren't walking with God. If you were to die today and you know for a shadow of doubt that you would not be with him in heaven, this means you are living a life where you are strong in yourself and you have not denied yourself to allow God into your heart. I wonder if you would be in this place today and refuse him the opportunity to come into your heart. 
If you are here today and you have not ever surrendered your life to the Lord, or if at one point you walk with the Lord and you no longer do, don't deny him entry into your heart today. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Is there anyone else? Put it, put it up high. Don't deny him today. Okay. Thank you. We're going to pray and then we'll, we'll do the next thing. Sean, do you have that prayer that you could put on the screen? Please repeat after me. Say, God, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God, that he died in my place to pay for my personal sins, and that he rose from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I give myself wholeheartedly to you for the rest of my life. Change my interests and desires. Thank you, Father, for saving me from my sin. In Jesus' name. Can we give God a shout of praise for that person? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. To that, to that person, there's, uh, they're going to put uh, a number on the screen for you to text. Please text it. We want to partner with you. We want to get involved with your life. We want to walk with you. We want to disciple you. We want to point you to Jesus. Keep your eyes closed, if you would. This is for everyone else. If you want to live a life that is the ongoing and repetitious transaction of buying the field, that is dying, that is denying yourself, I just want to invite you to the front to kneel. I'm going to get down on my knees because I want it, because I need it. But if that's you, I want to invite you to come to the front. Because I don't want to squander my life. I don't want to squander any opportunity I ever have to deny Jesus. I don't want to squander an opportunity, even if I am on fire for the Lord and I have the opportunity to, to exalt him and to worship him and to declare him and to praise him in the congregation with other peoples in this house or outside of this house. I don't ever want to squander the opportunity, but I want to Allow him entry into my life. I want to allow his will to prevail in my life to accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish. In that moment, we are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. We are a church. We are not individually an island to ourselves. We are his bride and we are his church. We are the father's sons and daughters. And we are not exempt from laying down our lives. So, Father, we on our knees. We repent. We ask for your forgiveness, God, for the things that we've allowed in our lives 
the things that we've allowed to take first place in our lives, God, the things that we've allowed to take precedence over who you are. God, forgive us, God, for not being the church. Forgive us, Father God, for allowing perversion and for allowing lying and murdering and stealing and cheating and aborting. Forgive us, God, for not being and doing what you've called us to be and do, Father God. But we are here today, God, to make a fresh consecration, a fresh commitment to you, God. And we ask, Lord God, that by your spirit, you help us, you lead us, you teach us how to deny ourselves, how to die, how to buy the field, how to sell it all. I ask, Lord, that you would begin to reveal to every person here just what that looks like in our individual personal lives. What does that look like, God, for me to deny myself? to pick up the cross, to follow you. What does that look like, God, to sell it all and to buy the field? I want to. And God, in the areas of our lives, the area of my life, Father God, where I am just stubborn, the areas of my life where I won't give you full entry, God, help me with that. Help me in those areas of my life, God, to see that I can trust you and to begin to develop my confidence and faith in who you are. You are the God of more than enough, and I want to know it. I want to know it. Come on, take one minute and talk to him for yourself. Lord, we love you. And you are worth it all. You are worthy of it all. So, Father, as we leave this place, let this be the posture of our heart. To know you, to love you, to walk with you, to honor you in every area of our lives, God. God, I thank you that you've placed us here for such a time as this. Teach us to walk with you. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.